My name is Stacy, and I am an alcoholic. Uh, by the grace of God, the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12 steps and 12 traditions working in my life one day at a time, and some really mean sponsorship. I haven't had a drink or anything that's affected me from the neck up since April the 25th of 2003, and I'm grateful to be a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous in good standing. Thank you so much for the honor and privilege of being here, Becky. I believe it was you that invited me to speak, and I want to thank you for that. Uh, anytime I'm asked to do anything in Alcoholics Anonymous, I get the honor and privilege of being inconvenienced by you, and that's where I need to be. And that's uh, that's really what life looks like at 19 years of sobriety is um, I remember oftentimes how important it is that when Alcoholics Anonymous calls me to do something, my answer is yes. And I was looking at the title of your group, Daily Reprieve, and this is a little bit morbid for early in the morning, but I feel like I have to say it because that's one of the lines in the book that I love, where it talks about the Daily Reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. I come from San Antonio, Texas, and this is the morbid part, but trust me, it'll end spiritually. Um, Texas is a death row state. I'm not proud of that fact, but that's just the reality of what we are. In fact, I think we hold a record for death row executions, but moving on. Um, the reason I bring that up is to say that the word reprieve in Huntsville, Texas, where our big prison is, uh, that definition means pardoning. And so when it talks in the big book about my having a daily reprieve, it means every day I'm given a pardoning from a death sentence. And so I don't, I don't take the words that Bill Wilson chose in our big book lightly because I believe that to be true. I have seen too many people start to leave Alcoholics Anonymous or say no to commitments like this. And I watch them unravel a lot of time in AA. And so for you inviting me to speak here, I get another daily reprieve. So thank you for that. Um, I will tell you that I don't need alcohol to burn my life to the ground. It uh, actually happens whether I'm drunk or sober. I've been sober long enough to see alcoholism manifest itself in my sobriety. And so for that reason, I am sponsored. I remain sponsored and I remain active in the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm convinced that uh, that line in the book that says the in insanity returns and then we drink again, that it is sequenced perfectly. My insanity will come and then I will drink again. And so um, it's important for me to tell you that as I talk briefly about my drinking, that that's that when I stopped drinking and came to you people, that didn't stop any of the problems I had. It just made me remember them. And frankly, I had no insulation between me and the pain that I had caused. So you know, uh, AA is important in my life for that reason. Um, I picked up my first drink when I was 12 years old. It was time. I had been restless, irritable, and discontent for as long as I had known. I didn't know why I was restless, irritable, and discontent. I can't blame my alcoholism on the upbringing that I had. I had a wonderful family. They loved me. They were very attentive to me. They gave me everything that I needed. And yet I still needed a drink. And at 12 years old, I picked up that drink and I found that magic that we talk about in here where it just changes my perception immediately and makes me comfortable in my own skin and capable of facing the world. And the other important thing that happened to me when I was 12 is I got committed to my first mental institution. And back then they could keep you for a while. I went in when I was 12 and I got out a month before I turned 14 
prior to my 18th birthday, I had been institutionalized um, three times. And I'm so grateful in Alcoholics Anonymous that you all told me if I've been institutionalized more than three times, all I have to say is several. So to clarify, I have been institutionalized several times. I have also been arrested several times. That's just my story. And that may not be anybody else's in here, but um, I have a tendency to go to sorted places. And uh, at 17 years old, I, I want to lightly say that I graduated from high school because the truth was I didn't graduate from high school. They gave me a diploma because I was in a at-risk youth program. And if you... I don't know if you just attended all their little lectures, they would allow you to graduate. And I graduated uh, high school with what I now know as the equivalence of a sixth grade education. And that's important for me to tell you, because uh, at 17 years old, I altered my birth certificate to show that I was older. I got into the topless bar industry. I got into that industry at uh, 17 and I got out at age 25. And why I love that industry is because I got to drink. Um, why I didn't love that industry is by the time I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I had very painful memories. I had sold myself and other things to uh, keep my dignity, or I'd sold my dignity, I'd sold everything that I had, uh, and just completely had to drink to live. It was just too painful to be sober when I came to you. And when I wasn't drinking, I had these horrible memories, these horrible flashbacks of things I wished I had not done, and things that I wished I hadn't seen. And so when the professionals would tell me, if you stop drinking, your life will get better, I thought that was not true. It wasn't my experience. When I came to AA, I was 25 years old. Alcohol had repossessed my looks. I will tell you, if it had not done that, I would probably be out there still hustling in that industry. But alcohol had repossessed my looks, and the road was getting very narrow, and I ended up in a Ended up at a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous at 25 years old. My first home group was the world-famous 2211 group of AA in Kerrville, Texas. There was an old guy in my old home group. His name was Frank F. He was a little famous out in the Houston area. He and another member of AA got into a fist fight in the parking lot of an AA meeting over who had the most serenity. And I say that because that's the kind of breed that I come from. I come from hardcore Texas AA. They carried their big books. They were deep into service. They were just what we called thoroughbreds in Texas. We really got drunk and we really got sober. I didn't know there was anything else to do outside of Alcoholics Anonymous when I got sober because these people seem to do AA all day long, kind of like you guys do. They had all the stuff, you know, they had all the events. We went to all the bar. I'm so sick of barbecues. Let me tell you, they dragged me to every barbecue, every potluck, every dance, uh, there was always somebody's birthday we were going to. We were at everybody's wedding, everybody's funeral. They kept me active and busy in Alcoholics Anonymous. And as that was going on, they started spoon feeding me Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, granted, when I came to you all, uh, I was feral. I didn't know how to dress appropriately. I did not watch my language when I got here. In fact, um, there used to be a sign on the wall in my home group that said profanity is not a requirement for sobriety. And when I used to speak, the old timers would point to the sign. And I'm so grateful to be in a meeting where people taught me how to dress and they taught me how to talk and they taught me how to walk and do all of those things. Because I will tell you that I've never had any outside help since I've been here. Every good thing I learned, I learned in Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's important for a girl like me because coming from the world that I came from, 
I was not only cursing and wearing low cut outfits in AA, I was also working the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. I was hustling men in AA when I came in here because just because I put the drink down doesn't mean I changed anything about my conduct. And it's unfortunate, but I'm not used to sticking around anywhere. I come in, I get what I want, I get what I need, and I leave with a keen sense of timing before you all figure out who I am. So it was so vitally important that I had a great home group who taught me that the outward appearance must match the inward reality, that if I profess to love a program called Alcoholics Anonymous, my actions, my words, and my clothing should should reflect that. And I guess the reason why I'm saying that is because um, I have a hard time. I've been shuffling through home groups recently because I'm not finding uh, I'm not finding that those traditions. I'm finding people who say it's not our burden to tell people how to talk. If I didn't learn how to talk in here, no one would have taught me how to behave. Nobody. Because I don't listen to anybody but you all when I come here. But all of that aside, um, I don't want to miss the most important part. Annie opened the big book, my first sponsor, opened the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and started taking me through that 12-step process. And as that 12-step process started taking place in my life, what happened to me is what it describes in the back of the book, Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience, where it says the personality change sufficient to overcome alcoholism occurred. I believe that the woman who walked in here on April 25th of 03 will always drink again because I can't be her. I can't be her. I was told if I didn't change, I couldn't stay with you. But lack of power is my dilemma. I don't know how to change my behavior. I am a liar and a sneak and a cheat at best and many other descriptive words that I won't say in here. Um, And that's just how I show up. And I don't know how to not show up that way. But it talks about in the book that I need an entire psychic change. And for anybody in here that's new, that's counting days, that's counting weeks, I will tell you that it doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter even if you don't believe that this program works. I am an example that you can work this program so far removed from anything spiritual and not believe that this program will work. But if you do it, you will get results. It turns out I don't have to believe in chemotherapy to become cancer-free. I just have to take the treatment. And so if you work the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous with a good sponsor, if you show up to the meetings on a regular basis, take your seat and take a commitment, you can not only get sober, but believe it or not, this is the most shocking part for me. You can be happy, joyous, and free. I didn't think that was capable for a woman like me. Coming from where I come from, the world that I come from, it's very dark. And um, I didn't, I didn't change my mindset for a long time in AA. I didn't believe, here's the thing that shocked me. I don't even know why I'm telling this story, but I feel like I have to. Um, I remember the first guy who offered to um, help me fix my car in Alcoholics Anonymous. I thought I needed to pay him for those services. And just so we're clear, I didn't have a job. So um, uh, yeah. And so I remember calling my sponsor And her saying to me, why do you think you have to do things for people to like you or to help you? And I said, because nobody wants anything for free. And that's the mindset that I came into AA with was nobody does anything for anybody without a payback, you know. And so Alcoholics Anonymous, you have challenged so many of my old ideas about the world that I come from. I didn't come here believing the world was a safe place to be or that people could be trustworthy. Um, So let's see. I had. I had some interesting, amazing things happen to me as a result of 
what my sponsor told me was uh, having smart feet and Alcoholics Anonymous. She said, I want you to say yes to every commitment. I want you to be in your home group on a regular basis. She taught me how to take commitments and she promised me if I took commitments in Alcoholics Anonymous, she said that many amazing things would happen to me in between commitments of AA. And I'm here to tell you that they have. Um, my favorite story to tell is that uh, when I was two and a half years sober, I actually went back to college. I won't go into the details on how that happened, uh, but it's a pretty interesting story. Um, but I got to go back to college. And as far as I was concerned, I was not college material. I had a sixth grade education. That's the last time I learned anything. I had been a product of mental institutions and challenger programs after that. Um, so I knew I was not college material. And what's crazy about that is I don't know things. There's so many gaps in my knowledge. And I don't know what I don't know until I sort of crash into it. It's really crazy. But um, I ended up accidentally applying for college and uh, went to um went to a university. And in 2007, I walked the stage with my bachelor's degree. And um, in 2010, I walked the stage again with my master's. On April 27th of 2015, that was two days after I turned 12 years sober, I successfully defended my dissertation and I became Dr. Stacy Speedlin. And, you know, there are so many amazing stories in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And this one is mine. I went from the pole to the PhD. That freaks me out all the time. You know, Gail, my old grand sponsor, used to say, you don't get to where I am from where I was on human power. And I understand that because the byproduct of Alcoholics Anonymous is that I don't drink. The real goal, the real product is for me to get tapped into a power source greater than me that will restore me to sanity. And it turns out all those things that you guys taught me about dressing appropriately and watching my language and being of service. When you do that at your job, you get promoted. It's crazy. Like everything good I've ever learned, I learned in the rooms of AA. And that's just very, very vital to me, vital to a woman like me. Um, after I, after I graduated with that degree, the, uh, I got a call from that college. Uh, the department chair called me and she said, um, we have this class and we were wondering if you'd be interested in teaching it. And I said, well, uh, what is the class? And she said, crisis. I said, why, yes, I do have experience with that. So I started teaching the crisis class at UTSA and very gradually they started promoting me. I became an, I became a visiting professor. Uh, the last position I held there was I was an assistant professor in practice at the university of Texas at San Antonio, which was pretty cool. I will tell you that I lost my job last semester. It was very devastating for me. Uh, when that happened, I hit a very dark place. And I believe that there are different levels of surrender the longer we are sober. And I had to go back to the writing, back into the inventory. Because a business which takes no regular inventory goes broke. And what I began to find is that I, my ego was attached to that position. I thought that you all thought well of me because I was a college professor. I was always so proud to come into AA and tell you guys that I was teaching at a college and, you know, had lots of jokes in my talk about that and just got a lot of mileage out of it. And so, you know, my ego had one more time inserted itself in a gift that I had been given as a result of sobriety. And so it felt better at that point to let that job go and to see what uh, the God of my understanding had for me moving forward. 
as a result of some very strange events, I started a practice. I currently have a group practice in San Antonio. Um, I work with several clinicians. Um, I have a couple of psychologists, myself and some other therapists and a medical doctor, and we're providing services in the community. Um, I will tell you that my caseload consists of first responders. It's been a really rough week. Um, but I tell you that to say that I could not be more honored and more privileged to be showing up and doing in my doing in my practice what you guys have done for me. And that's make a very difficult day a little bit lighter by being kind. It wasn't easy when I came to AA, but you all were kind to me and you helped me. You helped it. You helped the process be easier because you remembered my name. You greeted me like you guys did when I came into this meeting today. Uh, you, you held your hand out. You made it easier for me to come back to the meeting because I knew someone like George was going to say my name and, and, and remember who I was. Someone like Becky was going to say hello to me. You guys made that possible. And so I really just emulate that in my job, in my practice. I created the fellowship I crave. I love the people that I work with and for. It's an honor and a privilege to serve. But I need to also clarify that um, Bill Wilson in the 12 and 12 wrote that good is often the enemy of the best. I will tell you that my life is so good right now. But my entire life will fit into a pint of whiskey. And I'd never forget that. And for that reason, I have to stay with you. It's very easy for me to not come to the meeting. You know why? Because I'm financially insecure. I am still a hustler. I love money. I am still very um, insecure about not having enough money. And I still sometimes carry the mentality that I did when I was working in the topless industry. And I can look at the meeting time and I can decide it's better for me to sit here and concentrate on the books and concentrate on the how to generate more revenue for my practice. And yet... It seems like what my sponsor often reminds me is that the Calvary is coming. When I start to get into self, when I become selfish and self-centered, you guys call me and you offer me a privilege uh, and an opportunity to come in here and speak, which meant I had to be here today. I couldn't put anything else in place of this time slot. And I thank you for that. Um, it's an honor and a privilege anytime that I'm asked to do anything in AA. And, and for anybody who's new, I will tell you this program goes far beyond not drinking one day at a time. That's only the first miracle. There are many more to come. But you can work this program just enough to pick up a chip once a year. Or you can be rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence. How free do you want to be? That's what we say in Texas. How free do you want to be? My experience is you can be really free. Or you can just exist here. There are many... Many times that I've done that myself, where I've just kind of been here and not been a vision for you. Um, but when I'm grounded in all three sides of those tri- that triangle, unity, service, and recovery, the most satisfying years of my existence lie ahead, and I continue to be excited and just embrace the vibrancy of Alcoholics Anonymous. My morning was tremendously better because I was here with you. Um, I pray that yours was the same. Thank you so much for the honor and privilege of speaking today.